Welcome back to Mentors for Military. We're here with Rob Gowan. Hello. And Kyle Neal. What's up? We have RJ and Dylan from Brigham's Company. Hey, thanks for having us. What up? They're and still here. <laughs> yeah, we just won't leave. Just all the topics. They want all of it. It's awesome. Yeah, well, when you've got access to good guests, you keep them on the Absolutely. mic. Absolutely. That's what we're doing. We wanted to talk a little bit about leadership. Obviously, leadership is a paramount skill in the military. I thought I was a pretty decent leader. When I was in Ranger Battalion, I got to a garrison unit, and that presented new challenges. <laughs> And then I got out into the civilian world, and I thought, surely I've had this good military career. I can do anything in the world. I'll be a good leader. And I quickly realized that that was not the case at all. And I kind of fell flat on my face in many, many endeavors until I realized where I, my role may or may not be. So you know, we kind of want to talk a little bit about what it's like to be a combat leader and how that may not exactly be transferable to the rest of your endeavors in life. You know, One of the things I found was finding a good mentor like Rob, who is a phenomenal business leader and civilian leader. Thank you, Bob. Just kind of naturally and through great effort throughout his life to hone those skills. Let me make sure I pay you well. (laughs) (laughs) Just Venmo me later. Um, But that also made me realize, well, okay, well, where is my role? And supporting Rob at Mentors for Military, I'm much more effective at that than I was at the podcast that I was trying to take a leadership role in when we first met. Mm Mm-hmm. So, you know, for me, combat leadership was, wasn't natural. It wasn't until ranger school that I really felt like I had my feet under me. I'd been to combat, I think, one time, and then I went to ranger school. What rank were you when you went first time? Uh, PFC. Okay. Yeah, I was a PFC. And which I think that's pretty much standard in, yeah. in the regiment. Good yeah, time every, to go. Some people show up yeah. as, a, as a specialist, but they're still a private. For uh, <laughs> all intents and purposes. For as long as it takes. Yeah, for as long as it takes. Sometimes <laughs> it takes the whole time. Yeah. And you get out and you're still a private. But, you know, those guys are pretty awesome, too. They have their role. Um, I just didn't get it. I didn't understand the aggression that I needed. I didn't understand small unit tactics and how, it was, how you had to maneuver. Once I was half starved to death and sleep deprived in Darby and I was in my first leadership position, and I realized how to control a movement under fire and an element under fire, it all clicked. And after that, it was really, really simple. But I, I had to be half starved and dead on my feet from sleep exhaustion to realize that. So I don't know what it's like to... So after that, mm-hmm. future deployments, I know you went to being a sniper and everything, which might be a little bit different, but um, when you went into those combat situations or those deployments post-Ranger school, how was that different from the initial time, um, you know, pre before that? Because you said you didn't know that much, but Ranger School right. taught you some things. So there is then during combat, during deployment, and then when you came back and you had to start leading men again, you know. So what I learned in Ranger School was that I didn't have that much to learn. There wasn't some mystery. There wasn't some magic Audie Murphy book that I didn't read that he had that I didn't. It was... The military's done a really good job of breaking down fighting to battle drills. And so if X happens, you do Y, period. And you do it hard and fast and with everything you've got because this may be your small unit's last stand. There's no anything after that firefight. Then once the firefight ends, you go through your, your lace reports and all that yeah. other stuff and you move on to consolidation, exactly. move out. Yeah. And, and you move on to that. And that's pretty simple. That's just rote, that's memorization. Then I got into a garrison environment and 
for one, the population I was working with was completely different than Rangers. Their soft skills, low density, you know, chaplains, assistants, uh, cooks. From other nations. And from other nations. Yeah. You know, the, the Korean soldiers I had were um, part of the Katusa program. So that meant that they were the sons of senators and industry leaders. And you know, I had two rocket scientists in my platoon that spoke <laughs> multiple languages. And I'm a high school dropout. I'm like, you need to mop the floor. And they don't know what a mop is or how it works. They think it's like, you know, what they saw in the cartoons and you just wish it back and forth. Hilarious, but very <laughs> eye-opening. <laughs> yeah. And oh, yeah. those guys, you know, you know if, if Dylan wants to motivate me, he's like, dude, you're being a fucking pussy. Get your ass up or it's fucking go time. I'm like, yeah, Roger that. You're right. <laughs> you can't do that to these kind of soldiers. And the chaplain's assistants were much the same. We had one, uh, Selena Uribe, shout out. She was a phenomenal soldier. She deserves a all the accolades she can get. She was like that. She was like a little Rambo that just happened to be a chaplain's assistant. But the rest of my American soldiers, they weren't. And so, yeah. you know, yelling wasn't gonna work. Intimidation wasn't gonna work like it does in, in Ranger Battalion. Like, hey, I'm the big fish. You're the little fish. I will eat you or you do it. <laughs> and they're like, oh yeah, cool. And they realize they're gonna be the big fish someday. That doesn't work, you know, cause they have a completely different culture. So I had to be very creative and think, all right, what is this soldier? What's motivating this soldier? Why are they even here in the military? What do they want on a day-to-day -day basis? Like what, at five o'clock, where do they wanna be? And how do I help them get that? And then at, in a year, you know, or when they go to their board and get promoted, where do they wanna be? Where do they want their next duty station or role to be in this organization? Are they just here to do their service and get their college and move on? Because that's, you know, how they're gonna take the next step in their life plan. All right, well, it's my job to make sure they do that. And that means that extra marksmanship training is not for them. Yes. They're gonna qualify. I'm gonna make damn sure of that. They're gonna stay you know, green on all their stuff that they need to be green on, and they're gonna move on. You know, and the guys that were gonna stay, like, so you had to tailor it a lot more. And then of course you had to adhere to all the, the big army regulations that Ranger Battalion wasn't doing at the time when I was there. They're just like, I'm sure check the block. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Check the block on your, online training and, and mm -hmm. get back to the range, get back to the gym, that sort of thing. And then what I realized when I got into the civilian world is I'm not really that, I'm not meant to be number one head cheese of an organization. I need to find a good team to be a part of. I need to find a good tribe to be in that appreciates what I have to offer and whatever my subject matter expert area may be. And then I need to do that role as best as I can. And, and find those good leaders because I'm a better follower than a leader. Well, I would say that you are at this moment in time, but you learn from guys that you surround yourself with and you find your way and you pick your directions and you go for it. And if, you know, owning your own company, doing your own thing or being vice president or president or CEO of something, that's, again, choose your own adventure because you can do anything you put your mind to. And I would say that to anybody who's sitting in front of me. Um, you can absolutely do anything you put your mind to. You're going to have to visualize it. You're going to have to work your ass off for it, but there's nothing you can't do. So at this moment in time, right. you're kicking ass because <laughs> that's what you choose to do and, like, and you're doing it well. And you're, you know, it's funny. That's, you can do anything you put your mind to. That's actually a statement uh, my mother made to me years ago that it was very, it definitely did resonate at 16, 15 years old of, you know, when I asked, well, what should I do? Where should I go? And it was that same kind of comment that actually drove me realizing that the only obstacle is what I put in front of myself. 
Yeah. And it, that, it's great that you say that because I, I, I probably would have not brought that to this conversation, but you're absolutely right. And well, you, you, I, I'll tell you this. Yeah. One of the things my dad said to me was, you can do anything you put your mind to. And I was like, and just being a smart ass kid that I was, I was like, okay, I want to be a garbage man. He goes, that's fine. As long as you're the best garbage man you can be. Yeah. And I, and I knew at that moment, okay, I really am going to decide because he's not going to decide for me. I am. And uh, it was just, yeah, it was kind of cool realization at that young age. Yeah. And I didn't know what I wanted to be then. I like, I probably still don't. I'm still like choosing my own adventure, but uh, yeah, it's interesting like to think along those lines. Yeah. But to know that you are limitless, to know that you can be as creative as you want or not as creative as you want. It's, it's, those are important things to know about, you know, yeah, what I, you can I, do. And, and yeah, I think that does bear saying because I should caveat everything I've said with yet. Yeah, right. You know, I'm Absolutely. not there sure. yet. For sure. But again, that's why well, you that's you mentors. trying to be humble but in some ways too. No, though. no, yeah. actually yeah, yeah. I heard that in your, the way you were saying it, I, I heard that exact thing and I just wanted to verbalize it. Yeah. I appreciate that. What, what did you find, uh, RJ, in terms of, you know, going in and the way you were leading men and, and uh, getting prepared for that first deployment and everything, and then, you know, you going through it and then coming out? What, what changed? Uh, was there a common thread all the way through? I'm sure there was in terms of leadership, but did it? I think, I think no matter, uh, like, so right now I'm 55 years old, and I still look for guys that I want to be when I grow up and I try and help guys that I see their potential or I feel their potential. Like, like I, I look at Connor and Dylan and I'm like, Oh my God, these guys can do anything they put their mind to. And I, whatever they decide, I'm going to help them, you know, for sure. Unequivocally. That's cool. So yeah. And, yeah. but you know, I, I, I see guys that are, you know, and they don't have to be older than me. Absolutely. Most of them aren't. You know, I see guys like as the, you know, the 7X Project with Ryan the Birdman and Quiz, you know, over at Transcend Foundation. Like, I'm like, yes, yes, you know, and I think all of us pick our directions and things that we know are right for us or, or feel like they're moving in the positive direction we all want to move in. So, you know, Quiz is probably 10 years younger than me. And I'm like, I can't wait to see where he takes Transcend Foundation and I can't wait to help him do it. You know, so yeah. the role you're describing with him is the role I can't wait to help Quiz with. So, and that's just one aspect of things and places I want to go in the future. So. What about you, Dylan? I don't know. I, I was kind of thinking about what you were saying too, about like how obviously you got to, what works for Ranger isn't going to work for, anyone else typically or a lot yeah, of other often. people you yeah. know very often. very often and you know it's i i think i can't say that i was played this massive uh leadership role in, in combat um i was very much the one taking orders in those situations sure. um but again it's like i felt like my best leaders even in ranger bat whether they were screaming at me to get the job done or what at the end of the day um they would always i feel like the best leaders i had were the ones that looked to find, I guess, the real balancing line between, like you touched on, why are you here? And right. then what do we need to get done? And right. it's like, there is a middle ground there and it's help yeah. you help me, you yeah. know what I mean? And that, I think those are the leaderships that, leadership individuals that are the most effective. And I see it in the fire service too, you know, it's like, hey, is this guy just trying to show up here every third day and 
you know, run his calls and tell everybody he took out the trash and he didn't do anything and then he just goes home and whatever? Or is this guy really trying to set a standard and he's trying to study and he's, you know, going for that next job? It's kind of the same thing. So I think as far as like that leadership role, that those are the people that always immediately stick out to me. It's not just about always getting the task done, even though that is a, a no fail zone there are different ways to go about that and you can bring people up in the process because I know my I, I always talk my first team leader Rob Kaiser and uh, still talk to him to this day I thought at some point I was like why does this guy keep giving me live rounds like he's <laughs> I was like man this guy is the worst human I've ever met in my Weren't life you so scared of that first team leader though oh my god wasn't he just and your he's, boogeyman dude I used to no. sh- I, oh, I, I, I would I would walk from I mean 18 year old private Curtis you know I was like I remember walking from the barracks to the cough at 5 a.m. with all the other privates and I'm just like shaking dude it was just the scariest thing ever after that first deployment i think everything changed we put on boxing gloves and this guy had 120 pounds on me yeah put on boxing gloves and he was like oh mr cauliflower you're a wrestler all right let's see how your hands are and i was like i'm scared i was like i'm not gonna beat everyone but i'm scared to fight no man and he was like let's see it and we both drew blood and Mm -hmm. ever since then that's when he was like you showed me that you want to be here, yep. that you're not going to back down. I am on, until now, like, I haven't, I've been trying to kick you out of here. He's like, now I'm on your team. Now I'm going to wow. build you up. And ev- I think it was the last time, and maybe he told me to do push-ups, but he never made me, like, fear coming to work again. At that point, I really felt his leadership change where he was like, all right, you gained my respect. I'm still going to yell at you, but it's all it's all good things. It's all for the better. And, you know, we still joke around about this to this day. He's one of my best yeah. friends. So that's an, <laughs> that's an interesting thing about about that organization is the fear aspect of it. And and that's the that's the beauty of of the Range Regiment is that they have release authority. So if you're not working out or you don't fit the mold or you can't play your role, we can cut you loose. And that gives you so much freedom as a leader. It, I don't think it strengthens you as a leader because it's you can give up on that person. Sure. Like you're not good enough, be gone. I'm giving your problem to somebody else. Yeah, yeah. And and yeah. and that as it should be in that unit. Yeah. And then you get to a garrison unit, and it's like this guy is horrible. Those are your dudes. Like, They're the worst. <laughs> That's what you got. They're going anywhere. Useless. Yes. And you're like, well, deal with it. And Turn you're like, that chicken oh. shit into chicken salad. <laughs> it's, okay. it's, it's a different kind of leadership. And you work harder yes. in yes. certain aspects yes. Yes. because Much. of that. Much well, and that, and that makes you realize, okay, I have to collaborate with this individual sure. whom I may not, I may not respect their efforts or I may not respect something about them because I, they're not living up to whatever expectation but I have to collaborate with them. And that's such a huge, huge lesson. But I think- I like that word, collaborate. That's yeah, a, yeah, you have to. <laughs> exactly that's, what I was talking yeah. about. That's a now, perfect word. You know, and, that, and coming from regiment, it's like, okay, if this guy's been here for a day longer than you, I don't care if you're a specialist, he's a PSC, he's, a bet, he's more ranger than you. <laughs> yeah. Like seniority's kind of everything. And then you're like, now I have to collaborate with this private, this, who's been in the army for eight months, nine months. <laughs> And I have to figure out a way to get it done and to do a job that I don't understand at all. Because I, <laughs> yeah, I don't talking know about a challenge. For yeah. sure. So. Yeah, and I think, I think uh, all of us have met, you know, our top three most 
badass. You can't wait to see him again. Leaders and the bottom three and everybody yeah. in between. And, there, and there's lessons learned from every single person that you come in contact with. So, so. would you say you learned um, equally as much from the bad leaders as you did the good ones? More, I can certainly more, say that. More, or more. Yeah. The bad more. ones certainly yeah. taught me probably yeah. more. Yeah. And the military is definitely, I learned more from the, the bad leaders. I mean, for one, you don't want to be that guy because oh. you hear about how the, you hear how they're spoken of. Mm -hmm. And when you're in that kind of organization, I mean, esteem and respect is so paramount to who you are. It's your currency. Yeah. yeah, it is. And you see what not to do and how damaging it can be. I mean, a bad leader just eats up a squad or a platoon or even cancer. a company. Or if you have a shitty first sergeant and that first sergeant oh, moves out and then you get one in that's just close enough to human that you can work with <laughs> and that that company troop or battery becomes light years ahead of itself sure. was 24 hours ago mm -hmm. we Did just you? needed one change of responsibility and one dude who has an idea of how to be a human did you did you see guys that you thought like nah they're not that good they're pretty marginal marginal and then after that toxic leader oh, left all of a sudden it's dude, like a flower bloom it's addition the by subtraction yeah yeah it's oh, addition yeah. by subtraction or you guys go to combat and that guy just steps up and levels up and mm -hmm. right in front of your eyes you're like yes. that's awesome you know yeah sometimes you always Phoenix. wonder that you wonder if somebody's being uh kind of suppressed because of the poor leader that is in front of them and so when that like you said when that poor leader gets out of that situation you want to see are they really going to take off or did they learn all those bad habits and they don't understand, you know, that we're watching you to see now are you willing to take the helm? Exactly. Yeah, I, I, I go back to my, my buddy Amesbury that, that passed away in 2015. He, uh, everyone called him the Phoenix when he came back from, from Ranger School. He was on the verge of RFS, I think, oh my God, every training cycle. They were like, this guy was, sucks, man. Was he... Uh RFS by Ranger School was that the plan? Like send him oh, yeah. and see if he can make it. Oh yeah, went straight <laughs> through. Literally. That's sad. Straight. When RTB decided yeah. he's good. Take enough. a Ranger slot so you can get rid of him. And of course, like <laughs> well, we we deployed, so he was like, "Hey, you're not gonna deploy. You're gonna go to Ranger School instead." Yeah. And he was like, "Uh, goes to Ranger School, goes straight through, like Comes back no with issues." Cape on. Yeah. Comes back and is like, just the epitome of uh, of a Ranger team leader, and you were just like. What happened to this guy? And it's rose, rose of the occasion. All of a sudden, like, hit the gym like crazy. He got back from Ranger School. He put on 25 pounds, and we were like, who is this guy? It's awesome. <laughs> yeah. But it is funny how, kind of like you were saying, you know, stepping up in a combat role, or you give that person a little bit of more responsibility, and they, they give them an inch, and they take it a mile in yeah. the best way. But, yeah, I see that in the fire service more than anything is because coming from, Ran from Ranger Bad is we didn't have any females. I work with right. females in the fire service now, and you're not screaming at anybody. You're not, you know, it's a very different, uh, it's a very different place. But, and even just, you know, not everybody I work with is a veteran. If some people did, we have new hires that are 18 years old or 20 years old. And, oh. and you're just kind of like, I don't know. And I don't <laughs> so know how to talk sorry, to man. you. Like, I don't know. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, I don't. They're like a space alien. You're like, God, I want to just yeah. grab you by you're the like, face. Like, want to send them a TikTok and tell them they're an idiot. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> it's like, do I have to do that to get it through to you? Like, you know, it's it's different, and you sometimes want to be aggressive and just, yeah. you know, I get that to where I, I'm very calm, and then once I the circuit breaks, I'm yeah. kind of like, all right, dude, everyone better watch out because I'm about to get loud, you know? And it, But it's like having to draw back from that, having to be like, that's not going to do anything but make people talk bad about you when they leave yeah. the room. It's not going to do anything for them. 
and it's damn sure not going to do anything for you. So just being a little bit more aware of that has absolutely made me mature yeah. a little bit. And don't just, don't be the crazy veteran. You can be the grumpy oh, veteran. Don't God, be the and crazy they love veteran. to tell me that. I'm yeah. already, yeah, yeah, they love to tell yeah, me that. Marked. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so, exactly. Like, you literally have to take a breath. Relax and go. Okay, yeah. I can I can figure this out. Yeah, yeah. this guy's not going to beat me, or this girl's not. Gonna <laughs> yeah, beat me, so exactly. I'm going to figure this out, and I'm going to get the max out of them that I can. Very you know? true. And it's, I don't know. It's, yeah. It's interesting yeah. to have that moment, realize and go. All right, let's let's see where this goes. <laughs> right. You know? Okay. First leadership moment. Um, the time in which you came became a um, an NCO, an officer, whatever the case may be, for the first time where you had to lead others. I can tell you. I'll start with my own. Mm -hmm. I came out of an S3 shop before I went over to Germany and pinned on E5. So I was this E4 that had just been in S3 doing training schedules and yeah. setting people up at the range and, you know, all these different things. And I go over and um, to my first assignment as an NCO, and I'm like a deer in the headlights. Totally, you know, I know these guys are now looking for me like, Let's see what he's going to do, um, you know, what he, how he's going to lead so we can figure out how to get around him. I knew that was exactly what they were going to do. So my first thing I did was let them know this was the situation. That way I'm right up front being totally transparent with you guys. I'm going to have to learn some things along the way. So we're going to kind of grow together. Uh, but I think what I did through that situation was earn their respect in a lot of ways because I was the guy when it came time to do something I was the first guy to say, let me do it. You know, I want to do this. So they didn't mind stepping back and giving me the opportunity, whether it was cleaning weapons or whatever the case may be. But over time, I think that earned a lot of respect. And that was that first pain of getting yelled at by squad leaders, by platoon sergeants, by first sergeants, um, started giving the thickness I needed, you know, in um, skin and everything in order for me to be a better leader along that. So did anybody else have any bad story? I'm just curious of, you know, say, I wouldn't say bad, but I kind of how bring you it, grew bring yeah. it back into a way. I just remember like I, when you were talking, I kind of thought back like the first time I felt I wasn't truly a leader at that time, I, but I felt what it, I think the first time I kind of felt what it would be like. And, and it was a really a lesson. My team leader, uh, Rob Kaiser was trying to teach me. He was like, listen, you're a private, but you're the senior private now. We've got new guys coming in. I'm going to treat you as if you were me. Like, I'm not, I don't want to even talk to these guys. I don't care about them. I don't want to talk to them. I want to talk to you because you and I are cool and we have an understanding. If they mess up, you're dead. You understand me? And I was just like, okay. And he was like, they are your responsibility. I want you to feel that. I want you to feel that pressure and understand that if they mess up, I don't, I'm not going to punish them. I'm going to punish you. And... To feel no like the yeah, to feel the weight of that to be that's like awesome. Oh, that's a, that's a healthy E4 mafia. Yes, in and, practice. Exactly, right exactly. And I was like, and I had never, you know, being captain of the wrestling team or any of yeah. that. I never truly felt that, uh, and I I will never forget that being like, oh wow, you mean I I can be perfect, but my my, my guys can be yeah. messed up and I still get in trouble. Like oh, yeah. I had never, and he was like, I want you to know what my job is like. Yeah. And I was like, whoa, yeah, you just blew my mind. versus accountability. Exactly. Yes. And I think even though I wasn't truly in a leadership role, yep. I was still a private. 
I think that taught or better, me. Yeah, he gave you the he empowered you with the authority. Yes. But yeah. it was still his responsibility. Yes, he so also gave me. So if the hammer was going to drop, you were going to step aside. Yeah. He was going to get flattened. Absolutely. Yeah. So well, not very before important. You flatten him. Not right. before yeah. you flattened yeah. him. Yeah. You were both me first. Yeah. Mutual, you may have been yanked into the hammer's path. destruction. Yes. Same thing. Responsibility <laughs> versus exactly. authority. That's but exactly. I, I remember that. I think about that often now. Is just like man. It is accountability. The excuses don't matter. It's just the result. Did you get the result you wanted yeah. or did you fail? Yeah. And all right, we're coming for you. Someone's got to take the responsibility. I think that's kind of the burden of leadership is that 100%. it doesn't matter if you're perfect. Mm. You're accountable for everything that's happening underneath you. And that's, that's the real challenge of that. Yeah. And I think if you're not feeling that, you know, assess your role because you may not be standing in the boots that you think you are, yep. Yep. which is fine, but it's good to know where you're at. Yeah. Yeah, I've, I, de I had a very similar experience. I got back from ranger school. Mm -hmm. So, of course, that you're, you're in charge, but I was rear D. Oh, yeah, so and you I'm had like, all the... I was not prepared because yeah. I'm like, it's only a month, month and a half into deployment. Like, you can certainly send me on a, on a breach back, and I can go overseas and, mm -hmm. and do what I came here to do. And they're like, no. It's we not have... I what think we're we, talking about. We have like you got to PT these guys. privates. <laughs> yeah. And me, who was a private until like 60 days ago, now you're in charge every morning pt it's your pt plan it's your you know making sure they get where they need to go throughout the day and you accomplish the tasks that need to be done and my section leader i was in a mortar platoon you know i was like here's what you got to do and he was i, I don't want to say checked out but he was dealing with multiple injuries from multiple deployments and that was his time to heal so he was really leaning on me and the, the two other tabs you know so we have a whole mortar sections worth of privates because we were turning Train. over that fast. Oh <laughs> and I'm like, dude, I barely know what the hell I'm doing. Right. Yeah. And so I got a, you know, a crash course on how to be a toxic leader because if you don't know what you're doing, your default is typically, I think, to lead from fear. Yeah. And not only that, but like we were going overseas at a rapid tempo. So I, if I could go back and do things differently, I wouldn't, even though some of those guys I'm sure hate me. I know a couple specifically that do and always will, and rightfully so, but I knew like, we're going overseas. We're going to do an operation every single POD as long as we're over there, which could be anywhere from, you know, 90 to 180 days. And, you know, when every time we're going overseas, uh, we're getting casualty reports from the battalion where we're leaving or our adjacent units, and they're not good. So I'm like, these, I have to make sure that these guys do what they what I say they're going to, they need we gotta to do. We got to be ready. Like we have, yeah, yeah. And there has to be no hesitation, no questioning know anything and since i didn't have the experience i thought um to lead from experience and lead from knowledge i was like well they just have to be afraid they have to be afraid of me they have to know pain you know we did 10 mile fridays so every mile we'd run and it was it wasn't even to 10 miles it was unknown distance i mean there's one day we ran 14 miles they didn't even know it we just like you better drink water yeah. and they came limping in on monday morning like none of us could go out our legs hurt so bad <laughs> that we were in our barracks room drinking water and eating pizza until monday i'm like then it worked. Yeah. You know, whereas a good experienced season leader might have been able to inspire them and impress upon them the importance of their role in this organization and why they shouldn't go downtown and get drunk and fuck up and get kicked out and leave us down a man. Well, instead, we're just going to do it the other way. I'm going to break you off and it's going to take you the whole weekend to recover so you can't go downtown. And if you do, you're going to be duck walking and nobody's yeah. going to want to fight you or fuck you and you're going to get back to work on Monday morning. Yeah, you're describing my my team leader versus my squad leader <laughs> honestly like my squad leader was was the 
the former that was like he I respected this guy so much that I wouldn't dare let him down. Like yeah. I would I couldn't look him in the eyes. He's like my second father. You know what I mean? Like yeah. this it's like I would never do anything to let him dis and he and he never told me once to do push ups. The whole time I was there. He was like you take care of your boy. And he would just be like, I'm too I got other shit to do. You know what I'm I mean? Too disappointed. And yeah, yeah. Honestly, he's just like, he's like, really, man? Like, really? Take care of it. And he would just yeah. walk out. And he's like, I don't even want to see this guy do push-ups. Like, my, my, yeah, my first squad so. leader was like that. Phenomenal leader. One of the best leaders I yeah. to this day. Yeah, Chad Morton. If you're out there, he's the man. Kyle, you got you got the pleasure of uh, both going to combat, being a leader, and then coming back and being a rear debt commander. Uh, don't don't bring up the last one. But uh, <laughs> so some great stuff from the first one. Uh, R.I.P. John Greer, my first team leader, was great at dad talks, <laughs> would end your life via push-up if needed to, but he knew that I was 23 and he was 22, and he didn't need to make me do push-ups. He could give me a dad talk oh. from, a, from a 22 to a 23-year-old, and it would just get just as far, if not further. Um, but going to the rear D thing and talking about you know kids that may not be willing to do the things that you were willing to do when you were their age, and there's a reason that this brigade didn't take them with them over there. So what, what am I going to do to get these kids either, one, moving somewhere else, out of the pool, go somewhere else, or we're going to try to, like, get you refocused. I'm going to treat this as your way to rehabilitate, and this unit's going to like you again when you get back. So found the ones that didn't want to be there, and we made it quickly that, if you didn't want to be here, let's let's take action and not have you be here. And they got away. It was 90 days after they deployed. No, most of those dudes were gone. We made sure of nice. it. Nice. That's but impressive. The, the ones that wanted to be there, uh, we we ended up doing something called Excellence in Armor. Rob's probably pretty certain that he's probably done that before too. Um, is this like School of Soldier? This is be closer to speak. EIB. Okay, yeah. gotcha. Okay. It'd be closer to EIB. Um, and. We, we get these guys tuned up, but it's like meeting them halfway. Yeah, you're going to spend some time in the motor pool, but you're also going to get to do this stuff too. I'm still having you jump. We're still jumping with the Japanese. Like, we're, we're on a, we're a, a C-130 painted sky blue because it's a Japanese bird. We got Japanese jump masters. What are you bitching about right now? Yeah. Like, what's so bad about being here? You're in Alaska. And you just have to ask them and ask them that perspective. And most of the time, they'll sit there and go, oh, well, I guess it's really not that bad. I was like, thank you. Now, we found some common ground. <laughs> I still need you to do this. You still need this for me. I'm not going to mess with you if you don't mess with me. And we're going to go about this as gentlemen. And when you break down a gentleman agreement with somebody, I, I feel like that holds, holds higher than I'm a staff sergeant and you're a sergeant. And you got to do what I say. I think it's 100%. funny that you just mentioned a particular brigade and then you broke it down in Alaska, airborne. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, guys. You didn't want to give it no, away, but no. somebody's on Google right, right now going, all right, let's see. <laughs> what does Facebook say about this? Uh, yeah. But, uh, it was a great experience. Um, it was definitely something different than I've ever done in my entire career. Which yeah. Having to be that guy that stayed back. With uh, you know the runts of the litter and you know turn those runts into something good. Well, that, that I think it's illustrative of what the difference is between leading in combat and leading in garrison or leading in business as a civilian or or in any sense outside of combat. I already have my motivation built in. Like you're gonna die, your buddies are gonna die, and yeah. I'm gonna die. Yeah. So let's do it right. And it's like okay. 
and there are people that they just they can't take that kind of pressure they're not meant to be there in the first place that's a that's an exception yeah but for the most part we've all passed the right gates and and we're meant to be over there in that combat role when there's no like you're either gonna die from the enemy or I'm, i might fucking kill you myself yeah. <laughs> right which i may or may not have said to, yeah. to some people i let that one slide <laughs> a few times <laughs> hey. um but then you get back to garrison and it's like okay well that's not really on the table anymore no and it certainly shouldn't be and then well how do you do it you know and when you're so young i think that's the real challenge is and again that's why i wish i had known it earlier but it's collaboration it's not i'm the boss and you're my subordinate or you're my employee it's we have to get this done together i'm not going to get it done without you and i may be in charge which means the hammer is going to fall on me when you fail but we still got to get it done so how do i how do i incentivize you how do i make you feel good about what you're doing so that you want to do it and i think the gentleman's agreement you know that's a good yeah. that's a good metric too because if you can't come to that term like hey you don't like jumping out of airplanes, but I mean, you're the one who signed up for airborne. You don't yeah. like going out to the field, but you're the one who decided to be in the army. Like this is what you signed up for yeah. literally. And you were excited to do it at one point. And very often people just need a little bit of a reminder because yeah. yeah. it sucks and you're tired and you're right. whatever. And you're away from, yeah. you know, from Susie and you're away from the beer and you got to be disciplined. And the people that can't come to terms with that, well, they're not really meant for that role and they can move on down the line yeah. to another organization or, or maybe out of the army or what have you, and find the place that they're meant to be. Some of my most productive soldiers were those guys getting out of the army. They knew really? they had to do something. They, that This was a means to an end. Mm -hmm. And they usually signed up for different programs and stuff, so they knew at 2 o'clock they were leaving to go to college. So I'm going to get the best I can get to you until 1400 when you go. And they were cool with that. Like, shit, all I got to do is do this till 2 o'clock? Yeah, I'll stay, I'll stay with the tracks. We'll, we'll be here in the motor pool. Have somebody come relieve me at 145 so I can go go to school. Well, they probably were motivated too because they wanted to, they had to leave at 1400 so yep. they didn't get a bad grade by missing yep. a class or whatever. So whatever you want, Sergeant, yep. let me make sure that I do what I need to yep. do. Yeah. Well, and sometimes those short timers realize like I only get to play army for so much longer. Yes. And it's yeah. funny you 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 get these guys yeah. in the beginning of their career or their you know first enlistment they're not so motivated and then like the last 18 months are like oh, i got really gung-ho and i'm volunteering for stuff because it's the last time they get to go and shoot that cool weapon yep. system and do yeah. that cool training and yeah. be with their boys it's my last mlat or whatever right? you know you know, like, you know what we called that in recruiting we called that finding an individual's dominant buying motive so what you just did is try to find the thing that's going to motivate them the most to get out of them what you want in in that case and so i think you know what you guys did is you found oh college 1400 that's your motivation yeah. all right i got you now got you it. know yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you know most definitely i think that um in the private sector it's a little bit different you know maybe it's shareholder value is what's being uh, the thing it's not bullets flying in life or death situation but it it can get very serious out there in in that side of it not from a life or death but more of a job yeah. you know and when the economy is bad and it might be that you lose your employment and they find out for the next job that you lost your employment because of something that you did you may not get employed again in the same type of capacity that we, you you were previously so it's about um two uh we were talking about offline of identifying the influencer within the organization yeah. could be a positive influencer could be a negative influencer but you better find as a leader the influencers within that team and that organization or you're not going to be successful yeah for sure 
So I think the, those are those are two big things. And um, so leadership in combat, leadership in the business or whatever, to me, it, it's all relevant. It's all the same. It's how you apply it. What are you doing? How are you learning from it? How you're growing? How you're helping other people grow and identifying ways that they can be successful? Finding those diamond buying motives or having those gentlemen's contracts or, you know, conversations and those dad conversations, whatever you want to call it. But I think for all of those types of things, it's about really um, trying to be just genuine to yourself and making sure you're real to those people that you're trying to pass on and uh, provide that influence as well and that cast that shadow um you know so if you're being genuine to yourself of who you are i think it's just going to come over so if you're not a good person it's going to come out that way absolutely if you're a good person it's going to come out that way people are going to follow you because you're trying to be genuine you're going to be trying to take care of them and everything else so even if you have them do push-ups incline you know for the next 15 minutes until you get tired they still see that influence out of you and that positive aspect of you and they they take that away, and even though that may have been negative at that moment, they realize that, geez, I screwed up. I learned a valuable lesson. You know, it may have been a painful one, but, you know, I had a good leader, and they remember Kyle. They remember Paul when they walked away, and they wanted to emulate that person later on in life. So That's when you know you've done your job. That's when you know you've done your job. For sure. And to me, it wasn't so much about um, trying to be the good leader. It was trying to build leaders below me. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so if I focus more of my energy on that, then I felt like I did the right thing. You will yeah. always be the team leader, never be the squad or section leader if there's no one to be the team leader when you're gone. Yep. Yeah. So that guy should know your Great job. Point. Yeah. You should, you should, they should know your job and two jobs above you. Yes. Because when it gets really down to combat and yeah. Yeah. those cuts start being made, someone's going to still have to accomplish a mission. So yep. I don't remember I what leadership book it was that I read a um, long time ago, but you just made me think of something I mentioned it on this uh, podcast before, but it was like, it, in the scale of one to 10, and Paul's probably heard this a thousand times, the scale of one to 10, if you would put yourself as a leader, a, a number to associate your leadership in that scale, what would it be? And you may go, oh, I, I don't know, I kind of feel I'm a seven. Well, you're not going to want to go work for a seven. You're not going to go want to go work for an eight because they're not going to motivate you, right? Nope. You're, you don't want to go work for a 10 because they're going to smoke you every Lower day, right? Yeah. So you're probably looking for a nine, but then you're even really nervous about the nine, you know, because that nine's going to be pushing you hard, but it's going to motivate you yeah. to the point where you're going to want to succeed and you know you're going to fail, but you're going to fail forward because that nine's probably going to recognize that you're doing all the right things. He's going to pick you back up and say, just keep driving on. You're going to yeah. turn into an eight because yeah. I'm going to help you become an eight because you want to be an eight, you know, and I think that's where what I always try to do is look at you know, being humble, but trying to figure out what scale am I on, on one to 10, and who can I find? But then, then I try to recognize those people that are one, two, three, four layers, you know, that are looking for that mentorship, for that person, that leader to help pull them up. What can I do now to be that person to cast the right shadow to pull them up, you know? I, th I think a lot of leadership, too, is uh, managing personalities. And, yes. and so being able to evaluate people's strengths and weaknesses how do we correct or encourage? You know, a, a lot of decisions are mentally being made by people that can. Well, the first read personality well. you need to learn to manage is your personality. Absolutely, and your sure. uh, y'all's perception of how I go about my life. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like mm -hmm. you control their perception of you. Perception becomes reality. Perception becomes reality. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's interesting. I, I have a question for you guys. What about the people that don't want to be leaders? You know, they say, you guys, oh. we've all watched Idiocracy, right? Yes. And it, 
and the guy's like, hey man, they said lead follower, get out of the way. And the main character is like, yeah, so I got out of the way. <laughs> They're like, you're not supposed to pick that one. But there are people out there like that that are like, I don't, I don't want to lead. I don't want to be in charge. Is, is, is being a leader necessary to being successful in life in some capacity? I mean, if you think about it, you've got a, you've got a family role to fill. I'll answer that. I'll answer that in the private sector. It's very different than the military, yeah. right? Because in the military, you're going to be in a, you know, let's say you're in combat arms. You're going to be in a... Um, in a member, as a member of a team, You're, you should be looking to be the team leader. After that, you should be a squad leader. There's a path that's been set right. for, you know, in the private sector, you may have a, a tree of how you move through and you may start off here, but you have multiple routes that you can then move up. One route might be individual contributor. It may be just as important to the organization as, as the manager, and you may be peer groups in terms of level but you have a very different role. So I've had people that come to me and say, hey, Robert, I have no intention of going on and being a manager. It's just not something I want to do. So instead of looking at him and going, Paul, you're a dirtbag. I don't need you, man. I'm looking for people who want to grow and be leaders and managers. Instead, it's, you know what? You're really good at what you do. I'm going to find a way to retain you because you can help coach and mentor people who are looking for the experience then that needs that skill set to be a better manager, and and I'll put you in an individual contrib uh, contributor role. In the military, we may not have that luxury. Yeah. So I guess it. My answer depends on. Uh, my response is: Are we talking again, private sector or military? Because I think you'll find it harder in the military. Yeah, yeah. yeah in the military is like um, I don't want to be a leader. It's like we're in the trust tree. But no, yeah. It's and and the other important question to ask at that point when he comes to you with that information is. Well, what do you want to do? Let's see what's going on here. Yeah. You know, why not the leadership route? And what is it you really are thinking about? What do you really see yourself doing? And what are you really passionate about? Like, let's see, let's yeah. see where we can take this. Those are strong leader responses that I think now we found even with regiment when we were talking with them a couple of years ago when we met with them, how regiment's now looking at it and going, you know what? You're just not a good infantryman, right? <laughs> But, yeah. but I, I'll, I'll tell you what, we need a, a military intelligence, you know, over here. Absolutely. You'd be really good. And, yeah. and, and that's what they the end gates. up doing. And then they He's may become the a phenomenal yeah. leader because you had that conversation. Yeah, still easy to retain some of those yeah, individuals. You know what's funny is that guy might have never asked himself that question. Yeah. He might have just known, I don't want that. That's, that's no place I want to be. And just never thought about the other thing. So either he knows... Or he needs to think about it and figure it out. Because I'm not going to figure it out for him. I'll give him a few options. But I'd rather hear it from him. Because if he has, it's his idea, he's totally bought in. Right. And he is going to go for it. Because that's, that's more what mentorship. he believes in. Yeah, yeah that's more mentorship. Yeah. You don't want to give the answer. You want them, give them the tools that they need to figure it out on their own. Because then they're going to be much more successful. And they'll buy into it and go into it uh, with the right mindset and everything. But if you say, I think what you ought to do is take this job, you're right. It's not, not necessarily going to be the right person. powerful. No, yeah. no. Uh, and the other thing with, like, especially with PJs, I've got these guys, man, and they are, they've had a lot of training. They're smart. They're, they're in great shape. And they're not, like, they're just really good guys. And so if you go in there and you tell them, give them all the answers, you know, and, and they, they don't learn half as much. So if you say, hey, this is going on. Uh, hey, our, our alert team is going to tackle this problem. You guys figure this out. I got to go to a meeting. 
and then you come back and you see what magic they accomplished. And a lot of times they'll exceed your expectations or they'll exceed the standard or they'll exceed the ask. And with, with my guys at my team in the 308, like they're super wily. Like they're not, they're TRs. So they have these outside jobs. So when they come in, they're super motivated. They can't wait to jump, dive. Like, whereas an active duty team is like, oh God, no, no, no. You know, it's kind of yeah. funny how it works out. And really when you're like, and the other super important question to ask any team after you're like, we have to do this. How can I help you? What do you need right now? And as a leader, like you don't want to, you don't want them not to exceed or like manage. Like, I just say what the standard is, and I can't wait to see how they're going to exceed it. Mm. And uh, and and with some other elements, I can't do that. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it, it really is. Hey, where am I? What's the max I'm going to get from these guys? How do I get it? Mm-hmm. Okay, I let them do their thing, and then I sit back and and I can troubleshoot and kind of steer if they get a little off course, but. For that group, they're super creative, and I can't wait to see them exceed the standard. With other groups, it's it's a little more hands-on. I'm a little more involved with the planning process, but it's uh, it's it's kind of cool. And and I think that's part of the fun of being a leader. Mm-hmm. Like you're the guy responsible, so you're the guy who gets to decide, you know, how to crack that nut or accomplish that task or or exceed it. So that's that's really fun in the military and 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 watching Dylan and Connor do their thing. It, in the different environments they are like just watching them crush goal after goal is just so fun that's my favorite thing 